Hello, and welcome to the Flip and Shift podcast. My name is Julie Walls. This podcast was based on the Flip and Shift's tagline, flipping your thinking to then shifting your behavior. The Flip and Shift podcast focuses on temperament to then how we evolve in our thinking to which influences our behaviors. We create belief systems throughout life, which affects the outcomes in our lives. Did you know that you can reprogram these belief systems? to produce the outcomes you so desire. No matter what you're dealing with, there will always be a solution for you. So this podcast should give you some hope. Yay! With each episode, we'll be chatting with leading experts in the field that have overcome struggles of their own. They found their way to overcome areas in their lives that needed focus and are now actually helping others to find their way. We all have a story to share. Let's learn from our past to change our future, and most importantly, inspire and help others along the way. If you are wanting to feel empowered, inspired, and are ready to make those changes in your life, you are subscribed to the right podcast. And hey, thank you so much for your support. Now, grab your favorite drink or snack, turn up the volume, kick back, and enjoy this chat. Okay, guys. Hi, this is Julie Walls, and I'm with The Flip and Shift. You guys, we're going live today, and we also have a podcast episode for you guys. We've got a really exciting story and amazing expert coming on today. Her name is Barbie Liss. So before I introduce her, I just want to give you guys a little bit of insight on what's to come for the Flip and Shift podcast and our next live expert chat. So we have a awesome professional women's sleep expert coming on. Her name is Rucha Bat. And you guys, I'm in her group and I love her Sunday informationals. She talks a lot to women and female entrepreneurs out there, women in their professional world. And a lot of us, you know, deal with sleep issues and restorative sleep is really important with our work and being able to be productive throughout the day. But a lot of times at nighttime, it's difficult for some of us because we have that crazy mind chatter that goes on or just one more thing I got to do before tomorrow. So she's going to be giving some expert advice. She's going to be talking about her own personal struggle with sleep and how it affected her professional life. So you guys won't want to miss that. And she's going to be answering questions live. So she'll be on on March 4th at 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. So you won't want to miss it. So put it on your calendars. And with that being said, thank you guys so much for tuning in. And like I said, today we have an amazing, amazing guest. Her name is Barbie Liss. She's with barbieliss.com. She's a maternal empowerment coach and also a restorative justice advocacy advocate. And we'll be chatting with her on how she began her professional career as a maternal empowerment coach and advocate for restorative justice. Barbie is here to provide understanding on the meaning of, of maternal empowerment and what led her to this work. Her story is captivating. So come on in, join us. It's like we're in a, a, we're sitting around gathering and listening to her story. And she'll be explaining a little bit about what is restorative justice and how it's impacted her life. Guys, without further ado, Barbie Liss. How are you, Barbie? Thank you. Thank you, Julie, so much. I'm good. Thank you. And thank you for having me here. Yes. You're one of the interviews that I've been, as you know, I'm constantly putting your name out there and, and I've done a lot of research on you and I've, I've really enjoyed the information that I've learned. It's been empowering. It's been inspiring. And I've just, I'm really honored for you being here today. I know you're a super busy woman and you do a lot of speaking and podcasts and all, you know, all the things that you do. So I'm just honored. And I want to say thank you so much. Thank you so much. (laughs) (laughs) All right. First and foremost, Barbie, where are you out of? Give us a little insight on where you're located and some, you know, just some insight on, on who you are and and your family. Okay. I am in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, just a little bit North of the city, really been here my whole life. (laughs) Okay. Awesome. Canadians don't move around that much. I've heard that. <laughs> yeah. I am the mom of three. I hesitate to call them children anymore. I have three adults. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that crazy? It goes so fast. It's very crazy. Yeah, yeah, I know. I've got three. What's your ages? Okay. I stumbled over this one now. They are <laughs> girl, boy, girl, and they okay. go 31, 29, 26. Oh my gosh. You must've started when you were like 10 years yeah, 10. old. 
Exactly. <laughs> wink, no. wink. That's awesome. I've got no. three. I've got three as well, Barbie. I'm, you know, I still kind of working through the teenage, you know, mm-hmm. part. I'm not quite there yet, but teenage and, you know, I've got a, my youngest is a nine-year-old. So I've got boy, boy, girl. So okay. we got three. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. The teen years. I just, all I'll say is that they do come out the other end. You both will. Well, my two boys, I think I really feel like we'll be okay, but I'm, I'm a little, I girls. Yeah. Girls. <laughs> so anyway, the other end. Uh, that's true. We all get older. I get it. Yeah. I get it. So Barbie, you're a restorative justice advocate and also a maternal empowerment coach. Now, before we kind of dive in, you guys, her story is fascinating. So stay with us, you guys, and how she got into this work. I first want to explain, people have asked me, what is a maternal empowerment coach? Can you just explain a little bit about what that is? Yeah, I did go with empowerment coach. I tacked the maternal on there, my daughter's wording suggestion, because everything that I've always been called to do and work with is really like my deepest love has always been first motherhood. And she's always said to me, mom, you're like the eternal mom. I was the house that everybody came to. And I was so like that, that role has always been very important to me. And then in my journey, which we'll dive into, I was very aware. I became very aware of the, the maternal, like all the different roles, the, the, the being the mom to the kid, the being the daughter to the mom, the being like all the different aspects of, of maternal and very great need that I came to see was the, the lack in society of that, like wise woman elder archetype. And as a maternal, that became a big part of what I, how I offer from that archetypal place. And it all just sort of encompassed under like the word maternal in front of my empowerment coach seemed to really sum up all of my offerings in a much more compact kind of way. It kind of really spoke to me as a, you know, I, I just want to throw this out there, but when I became a mom, right. And I really remember thinking about three or four months in it, is there a guidebook or any sort of support group that I can join? And I was like, oh my gosh. And then oftentimes throughout, you know, my kids is growth or whatever, I found myself stumbling, right? And really needing some guidance from somebody that really understands me, right? And mom or grandma, and I really feel your services are insanely important. And for any mom out there that's listening, you guys, I would highly recommend if you're struggling or you're needing some support, some, you know, even some guidance, reach out to Barbie. You. It, it's yeah. really evolved into another whole branch, really, of what I'm, it, it's almost right now consuming a lot of what I'm doing is that in that, that feel that there's on both generations, that my generation has kind of let down ourselves and our daughters and not from any fault of ours. I'll use the guilt for everybody, but like we grew up in a, yeah. a non-questioning because I said so anti-aging society. Yes. And we were told like aging isn't good. So you have to avoid it and, you know, mm-hmm. do all. So what message have we now, A, we've caused a lot of anxiety within ourselves. Yes. And we've offered a message forward to our daughters. We're leading by the example of fear of getting older rather than offering that example of here's my wisdom to you doll. Here's what I've been through. And yes, your world looks different, but here's what I can offer you. And there's a comfort that's missing. And I have, a large outreach right now of the mom who's the younger mom who's seeking mm-hmm. the guide that's been lacking in our society. So like that, I call her the wise woman archetype, you know? So. It's so true though. What you just said is dead on. I feel like there's a lost in translation piece here, right? Yeah. Are you seeing that? I, I don't know <laughs> if I just catchphrased yeah. it, but it is true. I've done a lot of work for myself on my own ancestral wounding and lineage yeah. generation. Mm-hmm trauma being passed right. and I'm finding a very big need and a very big outreach to me right now in that yeah. role, which I embrace with so much heart that, yeah. you know, and it's still that maternal empowerment piece. I'm happy to offer. And yes, that's wonderful. And we'll talk about your coaching services because I want you to talk about that towards the end, but she yeah. offers some amazing opportunities to work with Barbie. She's, you've got a really cool service 
like, I don't know, offering set up. So, and we'll talk about that later, but I want to get into your story. I, you're a mother of three and I read a bit in the unfortunate situation that your daughter experienced. She experienced sexual assault and specifically rape. Correct. I just want to make sure as a mother, I just, I really cannot imagine how you felt. And when you immediately learned what happened to your daughter, can you share your experience, you know, and your perspective as a mom? Mm, Yeah. Yes. So it was the end, it was the summer of 2016. And at the time she was 21 and she was raped by a stranger. She did not come to me right away because she was afraid it would kill me. Mm -hmm. So, so which was a lesson to learn also in that, like my response Mm -hmm. meant everything, right? Because she handle my she was already going through enough she couldn't handle my response so like her worrying about me worrying about her right 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 Definitely when she did tell me it was a couple days in and yeah my initial response like you would think it would be filled with anger and and you know there is like so many people did that do we know where he lives thing but truly yeah. my only response at the time was like I was witnessing my daughter broken and oh yeah that was like my focus for the next really year, I would say was really just about her survival and about her healing. And in that, I mean, I know you have more questions and they all kind of mush into one, but in that healing journey of the only thing that mattered was her survival is what launched my own journey, like how I fell and was holding her up while I was, I was holding us both up. And then, yeah, yeah, it's a journey of learning where she was going because she was yeah. tonic and having to understand where she was going so that I could help her heal. And there was very much of what had been or what would be instinctive to me as a mom, as her mom, even specifically, wasn't working. It wasn't working. It was if she was pushing me away and, and it wasn't wasn't working. So really there was aspects. There was the piece of like healing her. There was the piece where I was kind of falling apart and I had to heal myself. So what I learned was I had to heal me to heal her. Yes. Right? Yeah. So there was that whole piece of my healing so that there could be her healing. So there could be our healing. And then I dove into a whole, like, how are we living in a society where this happens? And then I dove into, you know, how does rape culture exist? What have we done wrong? And that led me into all my ancestral wound healing and the whole Mm -hmm. thing kind of went along and formulated into the whole thing, but to watch your child break to watch this kid who was once like all sunshine and rainbows and sparkles and you know she was catatonic and it's it's soul wrenching it is soul wrenching and you know I I really learned a lot about myself about what what rape and trauma look like it's it's not just you know at one time I might have thought oh that night must have been horrible but really that night was just the beginning it was just the beginning of a journey that takes yeah. years to journey through, you know, that yeah. long. Yeah. So, yeah. Wow. I mean, the start of when you learned and you said that she kind of went into, well, first is what's really fascinating for what you just said is that your daughter, she dealt with this crazy, horrific thing that happened to her. And instinctively, she initially thought out of all this, I worry how my mom's going to react. Mm-hmm. So she and I have always been very close. And oddly enough, we had, this sits in me, watch what you say. This was my lesson. Yeah. That afternoon, she had been with me and we watched online a documentary called The Hunting Ground about rape on campus. Okay. And they had interviewed like girls that had been raped and they had talked to their moms. And I said, oh my God, I think I'd die. Mm Mm-hmm. And then I drove her home because she was living downtown at the time. And it happened that night. And I think, I don't know if she remembered that statement or if she was just worried that she knew it would, because she knows my heart and she knew that that would just break it. And she didn't want that to happen. Or if it's because I said, oh my God, I think I'd die. Right, <laughs> right. Tell me. But yes, that, is, that has been our dance a little bit too. And part of our mother-daughter healing mm-hmm. as well. And that like, she doesn't wow. have to. 
about me. Right. It's, it is interesting because what I've seen, you know, even with my own experience and I try to draw upon compare comparisons, right. And comparative mm-hmm. type stories, not direct, but what you just said, that little nugget of one or two things that maybe our parents said, or somebody says, it could be a lifetime of trauma for a person. It could affect their whole direction and how they handle things. And this specific incident that happened with your daughter, I know it's it's triggering and I don't want to trigger you, but it's, I think to myself, I'm like, it just kind of goes back to, you're right. We have to watch what we say, how we say it, who we say it to. And, you know, and you never know what's waiting around the corner that could really be the salt or the icing on the cake of whatever the person's dealing with. So so much about, about that. Like, I think in the, in the year that followed, she came back home to me and like she moved home for the the next, anyway, a couple of years even. But at the time, my other two were already out, like they were grown and out of the house. So it was like, I'm divorced. So it was really her and I, which was, which was a lucky piece, right? Like, so we really (laughs) called it our cocoon. We created a cocoon in our, in our condo space and we had a year of healing. And I learned so much about me about humanity, about being a mom, about communication, because communication, it mattered. I couldn't, you know, we all get in moods. We're like, oh, you blah, blah, but I, I couldn't because it meant her survival. Like every yeah. word, every expression I made, every, I really learned a lot about conscious living and yeah. conscious communicating and, and went from that into like, in my healing, the mother wound work that I do, like healing ancestral wounding. A lot of it is, you know, I had to own my own shit. Like, can I say shit? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I cuss all the time. So go for it. I'll probably swear. I here had in a to few minutes. own my own. I had to notice that some of my responses, which I had never really had to look at so deeply before, but now they were affecting her and that couldn't happen at this moment. So I had to look at my own response patterns and I developed a whole new understanding of where my wounds came from and then dove into all that work, which is really much of what I do today. That, that was a huge... Well, I have a question, Barbie. Okay. Mm -hmm. This is that I feel like for, and I know I'm just thinking out loud to that person that I know that has a daughter that had experienced an assault situation and you go in that survival mode. Right. And I know you did as well. And, and so did your daughter until you kind of started navigating through how you felt around it and, and next steps, which we'll get to, but that separation piece, did you start noticing where, and I don't want to say tiptoe, but you started neglecting your emotional needs throughout the beginning, or as you're going through the survival piece and trying to keep your daughter above water and you're forgetting about self, self needs and where do my needs end and hers begin, right? That type of thing. Did you experience any of that? Did it come out any form of symptomology? I mean, that's really personal and you can choose to answer that or not. But I know folks, moms specifically that have children that have dealt with sexual assault, they're just in survival mode. And then years later, they start developing symptoms or things that are popping up at them or they're easily stressed out or anxious or depressed. Did you experience any of that? Absolutely. And I, and I okay. love to ask that. Like, thank you for asking that. And, and yeah, you don't need to apologize because all of this is really a part of what I offer today because I found such a need and you know the work and educating myself on everything after the fact really is like a second to my own experience through it all so I think really an important question I watched my daughter dissociate from herself from her body Mm -hmm. I was in survival mode at the beginning I think I went to my instinctive pattern like okay I got this Cassandra I got this I can do this like we're gonna fix right right? and it's like that strong mom I got this we can do it all yeah it wasn't working for her like I said like my responses weren't working and the other thing I found about being the mom of a survivor so I sending heart and hugs to anyone who's listening who is the mom of a survivor now and yeah and please please reach out because you're not alone in this and I will say that there is nothing out there for the mom no I 
Googled like mom of survivor. And it said like, take your daughter to, and then I say, okay, when your daughter has take your daughter, it was all about the daughter, which of course it should be, but there was nothing. I didn't Nobody tells you how to do this dance. Right. So Mm -hmm. I had to figure it out. And the other thing I found a lot was, and, and as it should be initially, everybody would first say to me, how's Marley? And, and that should be their first question. A hundred percent. No one ever said, how are you? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. It's a very lonely journey. It's right. lonely and terrifying. Mm-hmm. And you feel almost guilty or selfish saying, hey, I'm hurting here because mm-hmm. oh my, God, my daughter's been raped, right? So who am I right. to say so there's guilt? So if you're listening and that is you, it is you are not alone and you are not selfish. And you should not feel guilty because what your experience is actually called secondary trauma. Yeah. Yes. And and it's a thing. It is real. And you deserve to have your process. I did get help through that part. I went for like traditional therapy for a while. It's sort of, I'm I'm a more spiritually based Mm -hmm. person. That kind of healing was much more powerful for me. It took me to my path actually today. And much of what I offer today in my work my work is kind of broken into pieces, but when I work with moms of survivors, that package does include the importance and the need for self-care and the teaching that it's absolutely the opposite of selfish. Yes. Yourself and, and how it will benefit your daughter when you take care of yourself and the whole boundaries thing, which I talk about in all the programs I offer because women and boundaries. Yeah. Right. So I, I talk about that in all of my offerings, but the the learning how to navigate your communication with your daughter was a life-changing lesson for me. It allowed her survival, it helped her healing, and it changed our relationship. It changed me as a human. It changed my outlook. The whole thing changed my outlook and my approach on, on society. And like, yeah, it, it's, wow. it's an un walked journey. It's an untalked about journey. I mean, so yes, if you're listening and you're feeling lost and you're feeling hopeless and helpless and selfish for feeling that way, you are not alone and you are absolutely not selfish. Um, I have to tell you everything you said, I just wrote down about five different things Mm -hmm. I had to, because I thought, oh gosh, I need Barbie to come back on because Mm -hmm. just this piece alone, what you talked about, And it just kind of branched off in my mind. My mind was racing. I'm sorry. I was listening and then it was racing and I was like boundaries, communication, beliefs Mm -hmm. around guilt, around shame, around sexual assault. And I'm sure you've seen this. And some folks that are extremely religious, you know, they have parents that are extremely religious and then there's a shame factor. We don't talk about this. You know, we pray about it or, cause you talked about a little bit about the spiritual side, the spiritual piece and curiosity is, is, and I want to put it out there. How would you speak to those folks that have a lot of shame, a lot of guilt around sexual assault? And, and I'm sure some want to just be like, I don't want to deal with this, you know, and there can be a separation between the daughter and the mom. And then of course that adds more trauma. How would you speak to those folks? I love that you said that this could be like several conversations. That we have. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I have so much trouble compacting what I do into a few sentences because it's yeah. so vast. But there has been so much shame in our society, so much judgment and shame. And this is when I say I like dove into society. This is, it needs to be removed. It just yeah. needs to be removed. Right. Women, since honestly, since the witch hunts and patriarchy began, have been diminished and shamed and squished. Yes. This is our wounding that has been passed down for generations. And we yeah. have been meant to feel shameful. There is absolutely no reason why any woman needs to take responsibility or feel shame for the poor behavior of a man. Yes. It's on him. Absolutely. I said to my daughter, I don't care if you were standing naked shimmying on his kitchen table. You said, Mm -hmm. I mean, she was, but like, I don't care if you were. Right, right, right. right. I don't care if you're, if you're standing naked, if you've begun the act, you said no. End of story. There is no shame in being objectified. There's no shame in being whoever you are. Like exactly who you are is perfect. The shame needs to be 
removed. We've been handed shame by, by society, by religion, by teachers, by movies, by whatever. We've been handed shame that is undeserved. And it absolutely, can be, I've had survivors come to me also. And, you know, they're the ones who have, I had one recently who said to me, she cried when I was talking and I said to her, okay, I'm sorry, well, we can stop. And she said, I'm not crying because of that. I'm crying because my mom told me to keep my legs shut. Mm-hmm. And I thought, mm-hmm. wow, our society right. is so damaged mm-hmm. that we would even in a second think to shame a victim for what she just went through. And, you know, we went through that with the prelim trial. Yeah. You know, she sat on the stand for five hours and had to like explain herself. There's, mm-hmm. you know, they referenced her therapy. And I thought, well, I've yet to meet somebody who's had a beautiful sexual experience and needed therapy. So really right. there's a file here. <laughs> yeah. And you know, I hate to say this and I don't want to go there, but I have clients that have, you know, issues with sex and, and that, again, that rhetoric that's been passed down on how to be sexual have, and I hate just, I mean, excuse me putting this out there, but you know, it's, that pleasing the man concept kind of thing. And we could, you know, we could have a whole nother conversation about that, <laughs> ha- you know, having an orgasm or whatever that's, you yeah. know, and what that looks like. And yeah, we were taught that it wasn't about us, that it was yes. about. Them. And I mean, I think I had a friend whose grandmother on her wedding day said, you know, there's things you're going to have to do for your husband. We were taught <laughs> that. Right? Yeah, you're right. We were, it's, you know what? Our pleasure and joy is our birthright. And right. And our, you know, that's my whole conversation on the divine feminine, which again, is a whole other podcast, but the feminine forever has been squished. And the reclamation of that, you know, when I say that I work with people to reclaim their inner voice and their divine goddess energy, that is exactly what I'm talking about. That divine goddess feminine energy that we are born to be and have, yes, and have been shamed for being exactly that. It needs reclaimed. That is my mission. Amen. And I think, honestly, I feel I'm smelling a collaboration in the works. Yeah. Like I have, a, I just wrote down idea. I, I, I was like, okay, I have an idea. I think we could yeah. totally have, cause I, I also speak with Dr. Sonia Jensen and she'll be coming back on the podcast. She's an intimacy coach. She's a, a God, a method um, therapist and a kind of like a sex expert. And she's kind of, we're, we all could get together and have a, a really yeah. amazing conversation. Oh, thank you. Like just for hope and promise and love for everybody. So they know as my yeah. daughter today is yeah. a sensual empowerment coach. Wonderful. That's Agreed. awesome similar idea, but from the whole sexuality and sensuality place and bringing women back to reclaim their sensuality. And there's so there is, if, if your daughter's struggling now, like I will give you that beautiful piece of art. Yes. You guys together today. And that's awesome. So you guys, you can learn more about Barbie's services such as this, and then you can connect. I don't know if you want to give Marley's information out there. You're more than welcome to do so connect with Barbie, connect with Marley if you need some additional work mm-hmm. around this or yeah. healing around this, it's important. So just yeah. don't stay where you're at, right? Don't, don't stay either. where you're at. One piece of where you're at. And it's just a piece of your journey and, and really like finding we have both like, but I have risen so much higher yeah. from how low I had to go to do so. And that is yeah. a possible thing that you know there is you're sitting in the thick of it now maybe but there is if you allow the process and work with the process like and I mean your process not the judicial one that's a whole other story that we can right. still talk on. Um, yeah you allow the process and go with it then there is rising to happen yes. you know I'm obviously obviously not grateful for what happened but I will say I'm more than grateful for where I am today because of what happened similarity, right? Comparative story in my mind is we both are here today, despite the struggles and the, you know, the adversity that we've gone through, we're here today. And I think kudos to you. I said this to Jennifer on the podcast yesterday. I'm saying this to myself, kudos to us for, and your daughter for putting our stories out there. Yeah. Right. And then also telling people you got to dig deep right? You got to go through all the crap and figure it out and start compartmentalizing to get to where we're at today. 
So you're giving somebody right now a hope rope, right? That's sitting there just lost, struggling. I don't know what to do. I dealt with this. It does not matter if it was 10 years ago. It doesn't matter if it was 20 or 40 years ago. Reach out, get the help you need. Barbie is here for you. Okay. I just want to speak to that person. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I want to transition a bit, Barbie. I'm sorry. Because I was looking at the time. I want to make sure that we're getting this. We get to some of the other details. So I read in in your interview in Forbes and I want to say it it was written by Kim Elson. Seltzer. How do you say it? I just want to make sure I I give that person credit, but there was an article written up and you guys your daughter opted for restorative justice versus retributive justice for her assailant. First and foremost, can you explain the differences between the two? Well, yeah, massive difference. So restorative justice is, it's not new. It's an indigenously based system that focuses on repair Mm -hmm. over punishment. And it honors at the same time that every crime, every time there's a person hurt and a person being hurt, a person hurting and a person who's caused hurt, there's a ripple effect. Mm -hmm. So I'm a ripple, right? I'm a ripple. His family is a ripple, right? Right. Like whoever. So, you know, my whole family has been affected by what happened to my daughter. So there's a ripple effect. So restorative justice focuses on rather than, you know, our system, which, which is again, society, we've grown up with an eye for an eye, like punish the guy, you know, right. that's, that's what he deserves it. Did the punishment suit the crime type of mentality, but it's not healing. Nothing changes no. in our system no. is a mess, right? Yes. Restorative justice aims to heal. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, you have a person who caused harm and, has now been healed and has transformed is now a better human has learned a better lesson. So for us, it looked like, you know, it's restorative. So you can, it's really survivor focused. So you're the survivor really got to say what she wanted. So my daughter, we stuck with the indigenous roots of the, of the system and he was then mandated to this. It's a, it's, I'm going to try to condense it because it took. No, years. I know. I'm, I know. I'm like, this is such a heavy, we could have a whole nother podcast on this. Yeah, seriously. Right. So yeah. he kept saying, I, I really just, we did the prelim trial. It was horrible. It set us back in our healing path, like several months. And she just kept saying, I, I really just want him to look me in the eye and tell me how he could do such a thing to another human. Right. We'd never heard of restorative justice. The shorter story is she had to fight for this. When we heard of restorative justice, she fought for it. Our judicial system was against it. The judge was against it. They told her it wouldn't happen. She fought for it. She had a lawyer helping her fight for it. And now, hold on. Let me, let me, I'm curious. You had to fight for this option. Yes. Which is already. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. It's actually in our bill of rights in Canada. And no one knows that. The lawyers Mind didn't blowing. I don't know yeah. if the judge knew that, whatever. The judge said to her, who was a woman, the judge said to her, not going to happen. We're doing this for you. We're speaking on behalf of you. And she said, God bless my daughter. She said, if you're speaking on behalf of me, this is what I want. Yeah. Right. So like, <laughs> like the irony is like in a, in a situation and a, and a court case that was about her not having voice and control in the first place, you're speaking for her by not giving her voice and control. Right. So that took the better part of a full year for her to get approval. Like that got, she won wow. that, called me, I was at work. She goes, mom, we did it. And I burst into tears and whatever that's a whole. So what that looked like for us was that he was right away mandated to therapy. And we weren't going to have our restorative justice circle until his therapist felt that he was ready to have a restorative justice circle. It ended up being an eight hour circle where we sat (laughs) for eight hours with her and him and the people of their choice that were ripples that they wanted with them in the circle. So my daughter brought myself and her sister, my other daughter, and the lawyer that helped her make this whole thing happen. And uh, two lawyers actually that helped her make this whole thing happen. And he brought a friend and the purpose of the circle is that he takes accountability. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, at, at the very base of this for healing to begin for any of us, for anything, like think of the littlest thing you've needed to like feel an apology yeah. for. Yeah. When you feel heard already. Your healing has begun. Yep. Right. Yep. 
our judicial system does not allow for her to be heard at all. She's just victimized and shamed. Yeah. Right. So this circle was, there was a talking piece. There was two mediators who led the circle with one question. They said, what brought you here today? And then they back out and we went for eight hours. Whoever had this talking piece was the only one speaking. We agreed on break points. My oldest daughter started. She spoke for about 45 minutes. We went around the circle. Then Marley spoke. Then, then one of the lawyers, then myself. I, like Marley spoke for over an hour. I spoke for at least an hour. It was really that first time around the circle was soul vomit. <laughs> really. Everything that had been sitting in there for three years, because it was now three years later. Oh my goodness. I wanted to say to him everything yeah. I wanted to say to him, like everything that needed to get out came out. So the first time around the circle was really like everything that had to be said. The second time around the circle was, was very much in response to what he had said. And the third time around the circle was very much next steps. Like what does society need to do? What it became a really interesting conversation a little bit on patriarchy and yeah. This was a day of, I've never had every emotion run through my body in a short period of time. It was horrible and gut-wrenching and also beautiful and healing. And we cried. We think we even smiled a few times, but to have him, I'll address the two questions that I know everybody wants to ask because I I mean, I have like a thousand (laughs) The questions I receive are, did he get off easy? And I will answer that one with absolutely not. Not in our case anyway. He went through extensive therapy. He had to sit in a circle and it was a good few hours before it was his turn and listen to how he ruined the lives of all these people, right? Mm -hmm. And and not just like you hurt me, but like deep gut-wrenching story from my daughter about, you know, memories of that night and how could you? And from me, it was, you ripped my soul this is right. Like, right? And, and we were told to speak from a place of I. So it wasn't me saying, you know what you did to my daughter. It was me saying, do you know what you did to me? How my life changed, how my work life changed, how my relationship changed, how my other children, like you, you know what you did to me. Right. Mm-hmm. And he had to sit and listen to that. He had tears in his eyes. He had his hand on his heart. He did not get off easy. So I'll speak to that. And the other question I get is, you know, isn't society better off if he's removed and put in jail? And I'll say to that, no, I don't believe so. Because I compare it to when I was a kid, and I got punished, and I get sent to my room, and they say, go think about what you did. And I would, and I would, I would think about what I did. From Mm -hmm. my perspective, I'd sit there getting more pissed off and like, well, she started it in the book, right? Mm -hmm. And then Mm -hmm. I'd come out of my room and nothing changed, nothing was accomplished, except that I was removed for a while, right? Yeah, and I'll say the same. If somebody's charged and if he gets charged at all, because most times they get off with nothing, so nothing's changed, or they get put away for a short period of time, they don't get any healing. There's nothing that helps them. They sit there, they get angrier, they come out, they can't get a job, they can't get more often than not, it happens again, they end up at, right? This way, here is a man now who has taken accountability for his actions, understood what he did wrong, offered remorse, has learned a better way to be human, and now is going to move forward, maybe become a dad one day and raise beautiful sons of his own that are now compassionate and caring. And this to me is how justice and healing meet. This is how we make change. This is how we shift forward, throwing somebody behind bars and letting nothing happen. Nobody feels better. The survivor doesn't feel better. Doesn't not healed. Right. For us, we walked out of there. I felt like I had just lost 400 pounds that I didn't even realize was still in me. Wow. Yeah. I can't even imagine. I mean, I really can't. True healing. And I walked out of there. We both did. We walked out and we we knew this, this is bigger than me. This has to be shared. And I, and I dove full-time into what I offer. (laughs) That's what I'm okay. So I have so many questions and I feel like I'm like, how would I get all these questions in? Because I'm listening and then I wrote a couple of things down and I'm like, okay, where do I even begin? So when you guys walked out of that situation, right. And you felt this profound healing effect happening, 
Okay. My question is, I don't know. I'm just, I'm like, I'm just totally blown away. Okay. So then how did you then start? Because I can't imagine how you navigated through that. You guys were in a room, one mediator sitting there gives you one question and then you've got all of this happening and you walk out of there and you're like, oh my gosh, it just took like, it was the biggest dump of my life. Right. And then moving forward, how did really simple, but it was less simple. We took breaks every 45 minutes and there were, there was one break where I wasn't sure Marley was even coming back. She took off. She was hysterically crying. She was like crumbled in a ball. Like it was gut-wrenchingly hard. Yeah. We were sitting, she was sitting across the, a circle from the man who raped her. Right. right. I can't even we imagine the room. And they said to us, everybody in the room has to greet everybody in the room. And literally I thought I was going to be sick. Yeah. Like, I can't even imagine. And I thought I was going to be sick, but at the yeah. end of the circle, he asked permission to shake our hands and offered, you know, like it was truly healing on a deeper level of what healing supposed to look like. Yes. And I got to ask this. Okay. This is going to be a hard question to ask because of this. healing. Did you guys ever get to a place within that circle of forgiveness? I speak to forgiveness in this way. I, it has two branches. Okay. Right. I will not, I cannot ever forgive what he did. Right. The act is not forgivable. Right. But I hold great compassion to the human. Mm-hmm who lived whatever story he's lived that led him to do that. And for that, I forgive his story. And for that, I hope he finds peace. And for that, I hope he finds healing much in the same way I offer my clients, right? We all have a story. Yes. Born a rapist, right? Right. Right. So whatever his story is that took him to do that, I forgive that. I hold compassion to that. And I hope he finds healing in that. Not yeah. the actual rape that I want, right. for, but yeah. I forgive him. And I, Barbie, I, I've got chills. <sighs> I got chills. And he asked Marley permission. He said, I, if it's okay with you and your mom and your sister, I'd like to shake your hands. And I, I shook his hand and I, I, he had tears in his eyes. And I said to him, I, I hope you find peace. I hope you do something. You know, Marley kept saying to him through the circle, like, you're not going to jail. Like do something with this. You've, you know, you've wow. learned so much. We've all learned so much about humanity and kindness and compassion and empathy and, and accountability and remorse and like healing all that yeah. is what's mm-hmm. going to heal all of us. Yes. I'm mind blown. I'm just, I mean, people are seeing that on screen. I'm mind blown. Everything you just shared is just, I'm just, I'm speechless right now. And just a testament to your daughter to be able to empower herself to walk this walk, go through this process. It's not like anything else, right? I mean, she could have gone the other route and she chose not to, and it wasn't going to be easy clearly. And the outcome is, is where you guys are at right now. It comes out of a trial, you know, mind blowing onto trial and he had been locked away. Mm -hmm. Imagine that happened. Imagine it's happened so many times. And I question it in story where that has happened yeah. who walks out of that courtroom feeling good who no walks out of that courtroom <laughs> going oh I feel yeah. healed there's nothing inside me that needs to come out anymore it doesn't happen mm-hmm. this way you- I'm clear I've released all that I needed to release I'm you know it feels like for me they need to redefine justice then right because mm-hmm. people walking out of the courtroom are like oh I got justice but that's not necessarily that's healing not you put yeah. someone you need to understand what justice means. What's right. the purpose, right? So right. when people say to me, like, did the punishment fit the crime? I'm like, what does that even mean? Yeah. Really? I don't, yeah. I don't need him to be punished. I need him to learn a better way to be human. Yeah. I'm actually working right now on a, on a workshop that I want to do that offers restorative principles to parenting. Yeah. If we can take what would be punishable moments and make them teachable moments, if we can give somebody a better idea you know like like I said when I was a kid so when my kids were little I'd send them off to calm down and then we'd have a conversation what what was that what happened there okay go apologize to your brother say whatever and we heal it yeah now better way but we don't just lock people up and expect something to change we can't keep running into the same wall and expecting change right yes yeah if we want to change it we need to understand that our justice system is not working 
Yeah. I'm not saying this is for everybody. This is not for everybody. But what needs to happen is the survivor needs to have choice. Yes. Right. Agreed. So yeah. going to the police and, and the questions now are, do you want to press charges or do you don't, do you not want to press charges? Right. There's a third option if you want it. And what I'm finding is that most survivors just want this. Yes. They don't need them put away. They want accountability. They want an apology. They want a transformation and a change to happen in that human. So it doesn't happen again. Yeah. Oh my Imagine gosh. Imagine what society would look like if that happened. Right? Yes, I know. Oh my gosh. My back side of this is why isn't it happening? Is it because financially, is it an extremely costly thing to do? And if so, I'm sorry, if so, then why are we not doing this in the school systems? You know what I mean? Back it up even further and do some proactionary type work. Yeah. So like um, I'm bringing that into my stuff now too, as I want to bring yeah. it into and I'm putting together a workshop on restorative practices and parenting because, you know, that, I mean, I'm sure my ex is very much my ex because we parented very different, mm-hmm. you know, and it's not even that he's at fault because he believed this or I'm because I believe that it's like, we were raised in this society that taught that it never resonated for me when my parents right. punished that way. It didn't feel right. And I never wanted to do that to my kids for right. whatever reason. I had this awareness in me already. And, you know, it's not that message that we've always been told about what justice is. We have a question because we were taught not to question, but if you stop and think about it, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't. No, it doesn't. And we need to all kind of like, if we could all learn to shift that perspective, maybe we could start making change. So Barbie, I want to make sure people know your services because it's really important. So you have a program coming up when? Is it a launching program or is it an existing program? Oh, there's so many aspects right now to what I'm doing. (laughs) My basic program is I have a 12-week program that I offer, which goes back to that premise of like healing the feminine and reclaiming your inner voice and finding your inner goddess. And that's like any woman who feels that she's kind of squished herself at all or her voice isn't heard or there's has this feeling like there's more to me and I'm not able to bring it out. Right. 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 That is what my basic always package is going to be. It's a 12 week program and it kind of goes, you know, I have like themes each week, things that I want to talk about. And then it's sort of intuitive per person. Right. So, okay. Okay. Cool. You know, if I was boundaries, but you're good with boundaries, we're going to talk about something else. So it, you know, it's custom designed within my own framework. I also work with moms of survivors. That will be an always thing that I do too. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. I mean, I'd say eight to 12 weeks, because I guess it depends on the person too and, and where we're going, but it also has topics that we would cover things like, you know, how to understand what your daughter is going through, how to communicate with your daughter and how to, and again, we go into a bit of society and, and the feminine yeah. record too, but all of that is in that, you know, and the, everybody's stories are very different. So it's really an intuitive flow with that as well. Right. I have found many daughters reaching out to me. So I'm absolutely open to that as well. So mm-hmm. it's a shift from like how to understand your daughter's journey right now to like how to understand your mom's journey and how right. to bring journeys together yeah. into one journey. So I would say we had three journeys, hers, mine, and ours, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's that with the daughter and all of it is from the heart space of the need to reclaim that wise woman archetype. Yeah, oh, that's so cool. Everything that you do is amazing and then I also read that you do healing retreats. Is mm. that kind of, I, would, oh, I, I thought was really cool too. Yeah. Well, I, I am an energy healer and I offer Reiki and much of what I do is about energy. So you'll find if you work with me, we do talk about tapping into your own energetic system. And okay. that's a big part of healing of everybody's process, not just healing. My daughter and I run a retreat annually. Well, we didn't get to do it last year, but we do it right. annually called Reclaim Your Radiance. And it is very much that premise too, is like reclaiming that goddess inside you and it's a beautiful it looks like it like you guys go to some tropical places and i'm like we went to france one year Costa Rica. we are planning guatemala this year yeah it's a soul nourishing self-love sisterhood i'm telling you we still the we go for one week and the women from three years ago are still like it's i I can't i don't even have words for how beautiful our week is it's like long life connections out of, out of the retreats. Yeah. 
updates forever. And it's yeah. a week that is just so it's nourishing your own soul. You're away from home. So all that other input isn't with you. And it's truly a week of you and reclaiming oh, I love it. Yeah. I love it. I, I am just, I'm so impressed by you. I really am. I was so excited about interviewing you. And I, like you said, you kind of left me speechless a bit. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I have so many questions and so many. It's just like a swirling ball of stuff happening yeah. in my brain. So I'm, I appreciate spaces like this because it's so yeah. much easier for me to have the conversation than try to compact it into a sentence on a, on a social media yeah. page. Right. I so, get it. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, and we, we could even go and have another, I don't know how many more episodes together that. because I, w- I was like writing notes thinking, okay, I need yeah. to ask for this, but then you, then something else came and I'm like, oh no, I got another question. So I just I'd love to come back. I love it. I just want to make sure real quick, if we have any questions, hold on. I'm sorry. I'm just going to move it out of the way a bit and see as of right now, I'm a little, I think I'm just frozen a bit. So not seeing anything pop up, but I'm sure I will have questions from folks. Please like anybody who's, who's watching this, like, please feel free to, to reach out. If you're going through anything that you feel like you want support on, if you just want to continue a conversation, I'm here. I love connecting. Yes. What you're feeling is not exclusively yours. You know, you're not alone in this and you are not selfish to seek help. It is the exact opposite of selfish because what I learned, the biggest thing I learned was that healing me is what was going to heal my daughter. And, you know, we've adopted this line of honoring ourselves. So if I, you know, if I take care of me, she thanks me because it's helping her and, you know, it's a tough journey and and you don't have to do it alone. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes. Thank you so much, Barbie. I so appreciate this. I think our followers, our viewers are going to absolutely be blown away by you, empowered, inspired. You've given them a hope rope today. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for sharing your story and being on the Flip and Shift podcast. Thank you so much and everybody for watching. And I hope to hear from you. Thank you. Thanks, Barbie. All right, you guys, you can find Barbie on www.barbielist.com. You can also connect with her through Facebook, Instagram, and email. So if you want to connect with Barbie, go to Insta at underscore Barbie lists or Facebook. You can find her at barbie.list.7. And she's also available via email to answer any questions you may have at Barbie at barbielist.com. Thank you so much. And thank you for tuning in today. You guys take care. Bye-bye. Wow. What a great episode and a special thank you to our expert today. I hope today's episode inspired you, empowered you, and gave you some hope today. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for our next episode. Cheers, my friend. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Please subscribe, rate, review, or even share this podcast to someone who needs hope and inspiration. You can connect with me at www.flipinshift.com. Follow me on Facebook. Instagram, YouTube, and even Clubhouse at Flip and Shift. Please join me next time for another expert chat or survivor talk.